Hello and welcome to Gilmore Ball Z, the podcast where I show my wife Dragon Ball Z, she shows me Gilmore Girls, and we both try to find some kind of common ground. I'm Grant. I'm Paige. And this week we have a special guest, Chicago area metal musician and all-around nerd, Nick Daniels. Nick, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Nick. I'm in a lot of bands. I'm in two bands, uh, Astillion and Sins of Spira. I occasionally put guitar covers on YouTube, and uh, yeah, I love Dragon Ball Z, so hi. Yeah, uh, us, our, our very dedicated longtime fans might remember in one of the very, very early episodes of the show when I likened watching Dragon Ball Z to like getting to sit around with Toriyama and just play with his toys and smash his action figures together. And, you know, how so many of us kind of had that experience with Dragon Ball Z was getting able to pick up the action figures and smash them together. Uh, Whenever I talk about that, it's this guy's action figures. (laughs) Because you had all of them. I did. I did. I would go to Mitsua and just buy out their stock of just everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick is one of my oldest friends. We we hung out in, like, elementary school and stuff. Well, he lives around the block. Like, his parents live around the block from your parents. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, we watched a lot of Dragon Ball Z oh, yeah. and mostly did a lot of smashing Dragon Ball Z action figures together growing oh, up. Oh, yeah, so much of that. And I still remember that I spoiled the twist of uh, the great Saiyaman being Gohan for you. Thanks. <laughs> oh shit, my bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. It wasn't. It wasn't because because the you know that the great Saiyan is Gohan from the beginning. Yeah. It was something else about those episodes. Uh, it was just it like was something. It was it was just like a dumb minor thing of like oh and then this person finds out or whatever that just like wasn't actually important but I got super pissed. <laughs> I just remember the whole room being like come on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was really bad about that when I was younger. Yeah, you were. You were kind of a little shit. Yeah, no, I so, self-aware <laughs> little shit, for sure. But uh, I, I like to say I'm more spoiler conscious now, but I just spoil that for Paige, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we, so, uh... Before we get into these episodes, uh, give give our fans the the quick rundown. What is your experience with Dragon Ball Z? Oh, God. Uh, every day at, like... Immediately after school, I would go home and I would watch Dragon Ball Z. I watched from episode one till I don't even know when. Sometime in the middle of the Boo Saga, I think that's when things start getting a little hazy for me. But I uh, I adore the Cell Saga, and that's why I'm super excited to talk about this episode today. Totally grew up on it. I'm looking at my replica Dragon Balls right now. I've just been a very long time fan since like first grade. Yeah, that's always. I feel that's kind of always been your shit. Oh yeah, uh, that was my total jam. So, so on another note, uh, what's mm-hmm. what's your history with Gilmore Girls? I watched one episode yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I was wondering if this was going to be your first episode because if when our last guest it was the same thing where yeah. he if this was he had never watched it, so it was his first episode, and I feel like both of you got really interesting first episodes. <laughs> this was a banger of a first episode to come in on, to say the least. So much happened. Yeah, you're basically like like you're basically starting with watching Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a really good way of putting it. Oh my god. So to you kind of said it, but just to ask specifically when you were looking at episodes you could guest host on why this like why this one yeah i'm pretty sure i said like hey we're doing some like late cell saga stuff do you want to guest and like 
you it was over text so you couldn't but if it was verbal you would have interrupted me and just said father son kamehameha oh yeah yeah for sure well because this is this is like the pinnacle for me at least this is the pinnacle of just the most triumphant moment in the series at least for me there were so many things about this episode that i just forgot happened just because (laughs) the father-son kamehameha just like completely took over memory for me um it's one of the most iconic moments in like dragon ball but also in like anime yeah i i totally agree and this was of course gohan's shining moment of possibly the entire series and oh yeah yeah and it's just it's so cool to see Gohan finally come into his own, you know, person, his own Saiyan warrior. And uh, yeah, it just never quite reaches that ever again. And it makes me sad because I've been watching Dragon Ball Super lately and he's just totally in the background for the he's entire there. He's he's there. This is true Gohan shining moment. Super awesome. And then after this, we get great Saiyan. So <laughs> Which is also an awesome Gohan moment in a very different way. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we'll um, talk about that more next season. Yeah. Uh, so just to get everyone caught up, this week we watched episode 96 of Dragon Ball Z Kai and season four, episode 21 of Gilmore Girls. So, uh, Paige, why don't you start us off? Uh, tell us what happened this week on Dragon Ball Z Kai. Um, so this was a kind of a weird episode it was because the first five minutes or so are just stuff from last episode last couple episodes yeah last couple episodes they replay uh you know macy's day parade cell um who i forgot to mention earlier just to round out the uh number of kinds of genitalia that have been associated with silk it unfortunately has a little like rounded thing at the bottom so it looks like two test i don't know why i'm doing this with my hands it looks like two (laughs) testicles hanging down well and he's got those ridges on his body so it looks wrinkly yeah no it's just like wrinkly yeah no they're just like we gotta Uh, hit gotta hit it all he got you know the the tail that uh we we, us and sarah tillery couldn't agree if it looked more like a penis or a boob (laughs) and then the whole it's also kind of a reverse vagina yeah yeah well yeah then it also turns into like the weird reverse birthing thing and then later the actual birthing thing with the cell juniors so he just thought he'd round it out and just look like a giant ball sack before he or a butt that's true before he just decided to destroy (laughs) the planet cell is so gross (laughs) he is well i mean he's a culmination of like everybody so it's oh, bound to be like, ugh. It could be everyone's elbows, though. Why can't he just be like six people's uh, That'd be elbows. unsettling in its own way, though. That'd <laughs> yeah, be some Silent Hill it, shit. It Elbow monster. Be, but it doesn't seem so, like, sweaty. <laughs> God, uh, same. So he's like, yeah, no, I'm new and improved, Sale. Now I'm even more perfect. And we know everything is bad because Vegeta apologizes. Yeah. Yeah, so... End of last episode, Gohan took the hit for Vegeta and it totally destroyed his arm and he can't use it. Yes. And and Vegeta says, I'm sorry, which is uh, concerning. Yeah, to Um, say the least. That's just totally not Vegeta ever. No. And so Cell looks triumphant. Gohan's ready to give up because there's no way to do this. Thankfully, despite being dead, King Kai can still patch in dead Goku from the beyond and give his son a pep talk. Yeah. Um, like, 
let him know, like, I still believe in you. I think you can do this. I chose my death. It's not your fault, child, which is helpful. Uh, like, that's years of therapy he doesn't need to have right there, which is good because he already <laughs> is looking at a large bill. Um, a lot to unpack there. A lot to unpack <laughs> there, but at least he knows his dad's death isn't his fault. And Goku is standing behind him, and at first it like seems like maybe in weak spirit, but it gets stronger and stronger, so it's almost like Goku is standing right behind Gohan. And he does the thing that is most helpful for someone when they're in a high-anxiety, nerve-wracking situation, which is asking him why he's holding back and telling him, don't worry, you can do this. <laughs> don't um, worry about the planet. Don't worry we can about just the wish planet. it back with the Dragon Balls. That that actually kind of made me laugh. That was that was adorable. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, any damage you do, we can wish back with the Dragon Balls. Like if he destroys the no, you can't. If he destroys <laughs> the planet, then the Dragon Ball, then Dende dies, and ugh, damn it, Goku. I think he just meant like major holes. Yeah, yeah. dead humans. Um, yeah. but he also is like. You can do it. Why are you holding back? And Gohan's like, I have no more power. And Goku's like, you can do it. And I just wanted to smack Goku in his <laughs> smug little face. Um, yeah, so he, he does have that line of, don't worry about the Earth. We've got the Dragon Balls. And at this point, Piccolo is the first of the Z fighters who, for one thing, he wants to defend his son. But he also does the math that no one else is doing, that... If the Earth is going to be destroyed anyway, I might as well give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so instead of maybe sitting around, I should try to shoot Cell. And it doesn't go very well. He gets blasted, but he keeps blasting Cell back. The word blast is going to be used a lot in this episode. My favorite uh, line of Piccolo from that was, I've never felt more useless. And I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and then, like, Tien basically like, it's time to get stupid. And Yamcha's like, yeah, <laughs> let's shoot things. And then they all have a weird little speech about what Goku or Gohan means to them. And it gets mm -hmm. like less good as time goes on where you start with Piccolo. Who's like, you're like a son to me. You were the first person who treated me as a human, not a monster. Mm -hmm. And then it gets to like Yamcha who's like, Gohan's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's like Piccolo's like, you're a true friend and you're the only person who treated me like anything I'm but a monster and I'm proud you, of you. I'm proud to call you my friend. And then Krillin also is like, yeah, like you've become one of my best friends with everybody. Because I mean, they hung out on Namek together and yeah, like. Yeah, and like your mm -hmm. dad is really important to me. Yeah, and then Tian even is like, Goku, I really respect you as a martial artist. And I always have, and you've always pushed me. And so the least I can do is lay it all on the line for your son. Which is sweet. Which is sweet. And then yeah. he gets to Yamcha, and he's just like, hey, hey, Goku, your kid's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yamcha, why are you here? Why are you here, Yamcha? <laughs> uh, nobody and knows. You've died so many knows. times. Nobody knows. And so, so instead much. of, like, calling Bulma to see if they can get Android 18, who might be useful back in this fight... Krillin is like, let's join in. And so they all start shooting things while Android 18 lies there dead on the ground. Um, Her and Trunks. And Trunks. Well, I mean, Trunks, you Trunks have to is wait. literally dead. Yeah, yeah, Trunks is literally dead. You have to wait for the Dragon Balls, and maybe it would be disturbing to Bulma. But you've got a literal Android expert who has rebuilt one of these things from the ground up before, and you don't give her a little ring. Like, no. I don't know if she'd have time, though. Yeah, I was going to say they a bit of a time try. crunch in there. Like. Krillin is like, I'm glad I got to see you one more time, 18. And then he leaves her. To, like, at the very least, he dies and somehow they save Earth. 
and Bulma fixes 18 because she knows not to be afraid of 18. Like, <sighs> Krillin is useless. Anyway, um, and to go into the theme of Yamcha and Krillin being useless, Yamcha, Krillin, Tien, like Piccolo attacking Cell does absolutely nothing. Maybe it like warms the cockles of Gohan's heart, but it really doesn't do anything mm-hmm. until like you have the ending of Elf where everybody has to sing Christmas carols and Vegeta joins in with his blast because he's like, you know what? Screw this. Sand pride not going down like this. Also, guilt. Um, shoots Cell, and that is what gives Gohan the push to be able to break through his insecurities. Want to distract Cell. It distracts mm-hmm. Cell, and he and Goku together shoot off a giant Kamehameha, completely obliterating Cell once and for all. And then the episode ends. Yeah. It's really weird. It's like a season cap. Like, it's not just a season capper, even though it's also not the season capper. There are two more episodes in this season. It feels like the end of a series. I was just going to say, it felt like a series finale, for sure. Where, you know, the story of Goku is complete in that his son Gohan has taken up his mantle, and he's fully come into himself as a warrior, and Goku's proud of him. But no, we've got two more episodes left in this season. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have a weird time here. Yeah, I don't even honestly, I don't even remember what comes after this. It's been it's been so long. And I've also never seen the Kai version. I've only seen, you know, the OG Funimation Dragon Ball Z. I I liked the uh, with this episode. I liked that they like even the minor characters had all their moments and everything, even though it got a little ridiculous, like with like what you were saying with the Yamcha thing. Where it's like, oh yeah, Gohan's cool. It it felt like they were actually getting love for once, which was kind of cool. Mm. And this whole thing just felt like it was building Gohan as the next protagonist. Yeah. And like they were just ready to like be off with Goku and just be completely done with him and just move on. Kind of like how they separated Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z into their own things when he became an adult. Um, but it felt like a, a next generations kind of thing and just knowing that that really doesn't happen is just kind of strange. Absolutely. Especially looking at it from, you know, not having seen it for so long. It's just like, wow, they were like, they really wanted Gohan to be the next main character, which Mm -hmm. would have been cool, honestly. But I mean, yeah, the whole, the whole Gohan taking over thing, we can get into it when we get to like, what did we think of the episodes? Yeah. Uh, But it's, there's a weird, like, there's a lot of talk that goes on around that, and there's it's unclear how much of it's actually true, so we can talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, guys, what happened on Gilmore Girls? So, okay, so Gilmore Girls, we had three different plots. We had the Rory plot, we had the Lorelai plot that was really more of a Luke plot, mm-hmm. and then the Lane plot, obviously, because Lane's basically in her own TV show at this point. Um, so, Rory... Yeah, I'll do Rory first, because that makes the most sense. So, Rory, at the beginning of the episode, everyone's leaving college, and then... They're all doing finals and Yeah, they're all doing finals and everything like that, and packing up and leaving the dorms, and we find out that Tana's got a boyfriend, and, like, we already knew about Janet and her boyfriend, even though neither of them were exactly super major characters, and obviously Paris has got the whole weird thing going on with Asher still, and 
So they all kind of start to, like, it's time to a collage or whatever. And basically it highlights the fact that Rory has not dated anybody all year. Nope. And this is the first time in the show where we've had a long period of time where really Rory's love life hasn't really been at the forefront. Yeah. And she's kind of reminded of that fact. And so Paris, in the most awkwardly Paris fashion, is like, oh, here, I'll hook you up with Asher's son. Who is divorced? Who's divorced and has kids, and so even Asher's son is still too old for Rory, and so this just like awkward and weird, and then it comes up again at Friday dinner where like Emily starts asking Rory of like, hey, are you seeing anybody? And it's a whole thing because uh, people who have been following along might remember we still have this weird thing where Richard and Emily seem to have separated. They're living separately, but they're not telling. They're their daughter and granddaughter about it. And so it's this really awkward scene and Emily turns it onto Rory to just like deflect. So this all, this all is to establish the status quo that Rory's feeling insecure about how she's going through a bit of a a dry spell in her love life. And Emily introduces her to one of her friend's grandsons who also goes to Yale and is like, Oh, this is so-and-so. And, you know, I can't believe I only just introduced you to. And he invites Rory out to just like a pub crawl with his with some of his friends who also haven't left yet because most of the campus is left for the summer. So she's not sure what to do, but she figures, sure, whatever, it might be fun. She goes and it is the most insufferably boring time ever. And also just mm-hmm. questionable. Also quite questionable. Yes. Like one guy proudly declares that he is on the top 50 best drunk, drunk drivers. drivers in Connecticut. Oh, that made like, me cringe that's, so hard. Oh, that's, it was so gross. It's so gross. Well, and also like they're offering to buy her drinks and stuff when she's still 19. Which, I mean, that's it's like, what, college. I guess it's but... a college bar. There's always like the one college bar that doesn't actually card. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just the, so on top of them just being questionable and also he kind of creeps on her a little bit. Not, uh, not overtly, but a little bit. Mm. and everything and they're also just like total dude bro jocks and just like not at all rory's type and so she's like you know i think i'm just gonna head home and they're like okay well we're gonna go to the next pub bye and they leave and she's like okay cool but there's no buses to get back to campus or like the or the she can't she call doesn't it. have a, her wallet she, or she doesn't have her wallet she, she has her caps. wallet she didn't have money in it she thought she had money that's what that's yeah. what it was yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't have money for a cab, and then like somebody makes an offhand comment at her of like, "Hey, don't walk, don't walk home alone." Like it's yeah. obviously in a it gets dicey. Yeah, it's obviously in a sketch part of the neighborhood. So she's like, "Shit, I am, you know, a probably, I think, hundred and twenty pound would be generous, nineteen mm-hmm. year old girl walking through a dangerous neighborhood in the middle of the night." Uh, what do I do? And so she pulls out her phone, and the first thing she thinks is to call Dean. Well, if you think about it. Lane is dealing with her mom. Like, this is all stuff we'll get to later. Lorelai's at a wedding. Luke's at a wedding. That's true. And Dean is a tall, intimidating-looking dude. Mm-hmm. If he was the one to escort her around, people wouldn't mess with her. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so she calls Dean. And so Dean shows up, and they he he takes her home to her dorm, and they, t- they talk for a little while, and... She's eventually is like, look, where does Lindsay think you are right now? Because it's been established Lindsay does not want Dean hanging out with Rory anymore. No. She's like, where does Lindsay think you are? And he's like, she thinks I'm out. Who cares? She's like, Dean, 
Dean, no. <laughs> but Dean, the, tell your wife where you are. They're talking about this, and then Jess shows up. Yeah, who is in town for his mom's wedding. Yeah, he shows up in other parts of this episode, so he's not like a surprise appearance. But Jess shows up at mm. her dorm and is like, hey, I need to talk to you. And Dean and Jess have this kind of weird confrontation again. And Roy's like, Dean, don't. It's cool. Leave. Jess, what do you want? And Jess... Actually, no. I'm going to come back to that because I feel like it makes more sense. Okay. So we got to jump to the Lorelai plot, which is more of a Luke plot. We found out last episode that Luke's sister, Liz, is getting married in town. And it's a Renaissance Fair-themed wedding. And somehow Luke has been roped into helping with a bunch of stuff. And he's asked Lorelai to be his date. Yeah, and he's asked Lorelai to be his date because he read the self-help book and learned about talking about his emotions. And uh, he convinced Jess to walk his mom down the aisle. So this is like all stuff that has been established last episode. So it more or less goes off without a hitch. Uh, It's kind of just like a fun wedding plot. Like uh, TJ has his whole bit throughout the episode about how much he loves tights. Yeah. And how like, you know, they breathe, but they give you support, but they don't got pockets. That's the problem. (laughs) Air pants. Air pants. Guys don't want to wear tights. They want to wear air pants. And just something about this just total schlubby New Jersey guy loving tights was hilarious. Oh, yeah, that was great. Uh, the one hitch is that uh, Liz's dress rips. Yeah, Liz's dress rips, but like it's not it's it's just an excuse to get Lorelai and, and Jess in a room together. Right. Because yeah. Lorelai's fixing the dress and she sees that Jess has the same self-help book that Luke gave him at the end of the episode to learn how to talk about his emotions and stuff. And so later she's talking to Luke about it and she's like, hey, <laughs> Jess was reading this book. Isn't that funny? And Luke gets really defensive about it. Understandably. And yeah, yeah, understandably gets really defensive about it because this book has actually like really helped him figure out his own shtick. And so Lorelai realizes what happened and apologizes and is like, hey, you know, I realize it's a good thing that Jess is actually trying, even if he's going about it in a silly way. And they make up. And, and at some points, it seems like Jess is actually learning. Yeah, Jess in general, like, he walks his mom down the aisle, and he's, like, nice to Lorelai, and he's nice to Luke and everything, and, like, Jess seems to have kind of gotten his shit together, like, he miraculously went through some character development off screen. Well, and he tells Luke that he appreciates him. Yeah, I was gonna get to that. Oh, sorry. And so... I'd edit this out. Later in the... <laughs> so then, like, later, they're all people starting to dance, and Luke's like, hey, Lorelai, do you want to dance with me? And this is super uncharacteristic of Luke. And he even says earlier in the episode that he doesn't dance. And But Lorelai's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll dance with you. And, like, this is this whole thing where they very obviously are, like, railroading it. Because Liz even says earlier, like, oh, you're going to make somebody a great wife someday. And a great sister-in-law. And you're going to make, yeah, and you're going to make somebody a great sister-in-law. And it's like Liz kind of can see what's happening. Yeah. And they dance. It's actually, it's this very nice little scene of just them dancing. And at first it's awkward, but they slowly get closer. And it's a nice little romantic scene. And then Luke takes her home. And he says, hey, we should do this again. We should hang out. How about, like, next week? And, like, of course Luke can't say the word date. He just can't manage that yet. But he basically asks Lorelai out on a date. And she says, sure. And she's like, what the fuck just happened? And so then later, as like Jess is getting ready to leave and Luke's like, hey, you can stay a couple days if you want. Just like, no, I got to get going. But hey, I really want you to know, like, 
I do appreciate everything you did for me. Like, yeah. you gave me a place to stay. You took me in when nobody else would have me. You've always been in my corner. And, like, thank you, and I really appreciate that. Which, like, Jess would never say anything like that at the beginning. And Luke's like, yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. You're always welcome here. And, like, they have this nice moment, and they hug. Yeah. Luke and Jess hugging warmed my heart. <laughs> that was a very touching moment. The boys, these boys have finally learned how to talk about their emotions with each other. Like, yeah, Nick, like, I feel like even without context, you can see how they're both characters who were very closed off emotionally at the beginning. Oh, yeah. No. Well, I mean, if we want to, I mean, because I know we're going to get discussing into what we thought about the episodes and everything. But this episode, like, even though I had no context going in, it telegraphed so many things very very well like very blatantly mm-hmm. like to the point where i was like i have no idea who any of these characters are and they were just saying everyone's names constantly i don't know if you noticed that about it but it was just like mm-hmm. oh i picked up on everybody's names and i'm notoriously bad at picking up names in shows and things like that but yeah it telegraphed everything very well like of course jess was like the kind of like greaser hard ass kid mm-hmm. um Luke seems kind of the more reserved type kind of thing, kind of keeps to himself, maybe. I could be totally wrong on all of this. But no, no, that's more or less. Yeah, he's kind of a curmudgeon. Yeah, and they they just telegraph, like, between the actors and the writing, they telegraph everything, like, very, very obviously. And I appreciated the hell out of that watching, you know... <laughs> No previous episodes and jumping in at season four, episode twenty one. Yeah, that's that's pretty true. Um, yeah. yeah, this was this was like this was a weirdly good first episode to jump in halfway through the series. Oh my so god, you... I enjoyed every single second of it. Honestly, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so so Jess self actual. Yeah, so Jess is like, hey, and he hugs Luke and he's great. He's like, I got somewhere I gotta go, but don't worry about me. I, I'm not gonna disappear again. Like last he got epi- a cell phone number. Yeah, like last episode they'd mentioned that his epi- his phone his uh, phone number keeps changing. He's like, This is a permanent one, it's on the fridge. I also gave it to my mom. Don't worry, I'm not gonna disappear on you again. And he leaves. And so then he turns up in the Rory plot. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. kind of scares Dean off, and they go into the empty dorm, and like they kind of interrupt this like weird romantic tension moment between Dean and Rory for Jess to show up. And Jess does oh, buddy. Jess Poor Jess. He does he, probably the exact opposite. Once again, he used Jess, up all his like emotional intelligence spoons. Yes. <laughs> once again, Jess appears in Rory's life, does the exact wrong thing, and leaves because he pops up and just says, "Rory, run away with me." And Rory's like, "What, what? the fuck are you talking about?" Understandably so. Except she doesn't say fuck because this is the WB, but she says fuck with her eyes. She's like, "Oh yeah." She just says, no, he's like, no, no, what are you talking about? He's like, come on, I want to be with you. You want to be with me. We're obviously meant for each other. This. Like you want this. This is all we've ever wanted since the first time I laid eye to eyes on you in Stars Hollow two years ago. Like we need to be together, but not here, not in Stars Hollow. Let's go to New York and like start a life together. And it's like, this would be really romantic, maybe out of context. But yeah. with the context of the last time he, she saw him was like a year ago. And he just said, I love you. And then ran away, literally. It's just like, oh. dude, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, that oh, little God. snide remark about I love you and running away, that wasn't that wasn't theoretical. Theoretical. That was that was Luke giving him shit about thing a thing he actually did. Oh and no. Yes. <laughs> 
And so oh, Rory's man. just... Oh, sweetheart Jess. Rory's just like, no, what the... No, no, are you insane? And, Rory, and Jess is like, don't say no if you're afraid. Only say no if you really don't want to be with me. She's like, no. And no. then the pin drop moment where he just turns around and just walks out. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, thankfully silent. he gets it after that. Uh, guys, though, I want you to still appreciate this moment. This is possibly the last episode where Rory is too good for Jess instead of the other way around. They're going to be on very interesting trajectories from here on out. Yeah, oh, I am. Okay. I am. I have been told that in this this season finale, Rory is going to do something very, very bad. And I have my theories. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, I, I have my theories based on context clues um, that Rory's going to do something real bad. And apparently she just goes on a path down for the rest of the show. Oh, boy, that's going to be an interesting watch. Yeah. There's um, a little game and it's called white privilege and having too much money then since. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that happens. And that's the Rory plot. It's just that she rejects Jess and he leaves like a sad puppy dog who makes bad choices. Yeah. And so then again, we have a little mini lane plot because lane is just relegated to having her own little mini show alongside the regular show. Uh, and, so it's just that Mrs. Kim, well, actually, I guess Lorelai runs into Mrs. Kim at the thrift store earlier and is like, hey. Antique shop. At the antique shop, sorry. Much and more prestigious. Mrs. Kim is like, here's some of Lane's mail. You know, you're in touch with her, deliver it to her. And Lorelai's like, you know, she wants to see you. And at first Mrs. Kim is like, I'm, you know, not, not your business, not your kid, which fair. But... It obviously gets to Mrs. Kim a little bit, so she does deliver a message through her aunt, through Lane's aunt, to just discover it, you know, to to figure out on a time, agree on a time, and Mrs. Kim will come visit. And so she does, and she sees that Lane is living in a dingy-ass apartment with, like, a broken-down fridge, a broken window in her room, and the worst thing, she's living with two boys. And... Mrs. Kim just, like, you can see, like, like... The central processor breakdown. Yeah, you can just see MrsKim.exe has stopped responding. Oh, yeah. No, she totally just shuts down. And then just eventually, like, so they offer to make her tea or something mm-hmm. like yeah, that. they're obviously yeah zach and brian have obviously been coached they exactly on, on yeah they put on ties, they've been coached on exactly what to do <laughs> exactly yeah they were very prepared for this visit and she just not even saying a word besides hello and here's the pudding that i made or it was it was pudding right it was like a tofu something or other Some, something like she that. always makes really gross sounding vegetarian stuff yeah chunky just like you like it um <laughs> and <laughs> she just after seeing the room she just comes out and just starts. She fucking runs away. She, she yeets right the fuck out of there. A surprising number of Gilmore girls scenes end with just somebody deciding they're (laughs) uncomfortable and just full on fucking running out of the scene. Ah, so relatable. (laughs) And so she runs and she runs into like, she bolts. And for some reason, the first place she thinks to go is Lorelai. Well, she goes to the town square where the wedding is. Yeah. And she just like bolts to Lorelai and is like, there were boys. And Lorelai's like, yeah, like they were boys. She's like, oh yeah, I've met those boys. They're nice. They're harmless. Like they gave Lane they're her innocent. own space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're perfectly innocent. They're nice boys. They care about her. Like it's, it's not like that. Like I promise, it's not like that. It's she, she's not living. Think of them as girls. Is, <laughs> yeah, is her Lane. exact sentence. I died. 
Yeah, just like, just take them as girls. They're harmless. And then Mrs. Kim takes that very literally. It's like, <laughs> yes, I shall think of them as girls. <laughs> and so we get to Zach and Brian, and we've, we've got some world building happening here because this is the second time now where we see that Zach and Brian settle their disputes via Soul Calibur 2 on the GameCube. Oh, oh my childhood. Um, that's actually, that's also a throwback. We settled a lot of disputes through Soul Calibur 2 on the GameCube. Yes, we did. Which yes, means I did. won a lot of disputes. Yes, you did. <laughs> so, uh, like, they're playing Soul Calibur 2, and then they see her show up, like, shit, they put the ties back on, like, turn off the game and stand up. And she's just like, the window will be fixed, the fridge is temporary, you two are girls, I would like some tea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so great. <laughs> and they're just like, uh, sure. And so we get that, you know, this relationship between, between Mrs. Kim and Lane has been mended. A little bit, where, you know, they're, they're on the road to, to getting to a new normal, which is nice. And uh, I'm, I believe that's basically everything that happened in the episode. Yeah. So, uh, Paige, what did you think of this episode of Dragon Ball Z Kai? Okay, I want to get something out of the way first. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd heard Father, Son, Kamehameha before, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. knew that this season was going to be about trunks and maybe have like vegeta growing as a person because he was in a relationship with bulma so before i saw this season i was like yes vegeta will bond with his son grow as a person and then they'll have a father's son oh and then they'll both learn nope. the kamehameha for some reason you know why not all the blasts are kamehameha it's true the I'm blasts concerned. are all identical <laughs> like i thought i thought we were gonna have some growth I thought we were going to have some friendship. I thought we were going to have some bonding. I mean, you did, just between the different pair of father and son. Yeah. Yeah. And Gohan and Goku grew together, but they were already buddies at the very least, even if Goku is the world's worst father. So (laughs) it was less touching than the imaginary moment that I thought we were going to get because... Vegeta begrudgingly realizing his son's prowess on the battlefield and both of them teaming up to beat Frieza with things he had to learn from Goku and Gohan. Like, Would have been dope. That's ultimate, mm-hmm. like, that is bigger than just saying that he appreciates Luke. That is the self-actualization I need. Um, but I guess this was cool, too. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was just weird. Um, I mean... Even just like, the, even just like the, the visuals were kind of surreal at times. The visuals yeah. were surreal at times. It was very un, like unclear at first like how much Goku's presence actually affected things. Because previously when we've seen him project, it's just been he can talk to people. But here it seemed like he was like almost physically present with Gohan. Uh, and I wonder how much of that is symbolism. Exactly. It's unclear how much is symbolism, how much is spiritual presence how much is like actually physically changing things somehow there was so much weirdness here where like the beginning of this episode was weird it was the like i mean i know you've said before when gilmore girls has the previously on their filling time this was filling five minutes with like stuff we had already seen but slightly different yeah well the thing is like it's not even like reusing animation all the time well it is it's I mean, it's, 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 mostly... it's just it's recutting clips yeah. it's, it's it was just a recap of the entire gohan cell fight up to now but it right. it was weird like it completely left out 16 right it completely left out the cell juniors and it right. completely left out trunks dying because none yeah. of those matter <laughs> that's the thing is none of those matter but yeah you're totally right it it ate up so much time i thought that was very bizarre too and because i thought i was watching the wrong episode at first just because of how like it, it felt like it was so far back 
I don't know in the context of Kai how far back it was. A couple episodes. Yeah, it was it was a lot, a lot, a lot of recap, and it just felt very bizarre. It, I mean, I appreciated it because, like I said, I've never watched Kai up until this point, but. Yeah, it was just very strange at how much time it ate up in the episode. Well, and also the Z fighters deciding to put in their efforts felt weird because it felt like these noble warriors who I'm supposed to believe like have, you know, hearts of steel and yada yada except Krillin all were like, okay, we die now. And it's just such a weird thing. Yeah, they were they were giving up. They were totally giving up at the beginning of this episode. But that's on brand for this show is like these noble warriors are just like, well, uh, this is how we go. Goku or Lil Goku is here. Let's <laughs> stand by the sidelines and do nothing. Let's accept our death peacefully like my cat at the vet. Um, yeah. Oh, God, my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then even when they decide to help, I mean, it's heartwarming. It's like finally they decide to like get up and do something. But they're useless, like my cat at the vet. Like <laughs> Vegeta does something, but it's like their moment. Vegeta was the only one that did like any sort of like flinching damage to him. The only reason that the other Z fighters were doing anything was because it was five people on one, and Cell was just getting annoyed at them and sending out shock waves right. while doing a Kamehameha. Right. It's like when I feel guilty for not doing the dishes and kind of halfway do them and then let Grant do most of it. Like, <laughs> I love that so analogy. <laughs> it's a final reminder that these people are vestigial and don't need to be here. <laughs> I mean, was, if anything, they guilt-tripped Vegeta into doing more work. Um, I think they inspired Vegeta. Inspired is one word for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, guilt-tripped is my word for it. But, and then the ending was weird. Like, I don't know if this is true, but I do know that it like or if it coincided with this point, but I know that there were points where Toriyama wanted to quit the show. Like he just wanted to or quit doing Dragon Ball stuff. Um, and it feels like this is that point where it feels like I don't know if the timelines match up again, but it feels like Toriyama's like, I wanna go write about cute little robot girls now. So uh <laughs> Goku's dead, Gohan's the hero. I had the closest thing I can make to an arc. Goodbye, have fun. Like, we'll have a little voiceover to tell you it's done. And so, especially because they've established that Goku can't be brought back with Earth Dragon Balls at this point. So. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could go to Namek, technically. Yeah, they could go, go to, to New Namek. Namek. They could go to New Namek and make it happen. But yeah, when Dende reinvigorated the Dragon Balls, he got an extra wish. And he got the ability to resurrect multiple people with the same wish, but he didn't say anything about resurrecting someone who's already been brought back once. And they do mm. make kind of a deal of it. So it felt like this was Toriyama washing his hands of the series and trying to give everyone a good ending, which is so weird when I know there are two more episodes in this season and then two more seasons or three, three more, more seasons. seasons after this. Yeah, you're right. Where we're only just barely more than halfway through. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. the whole notion of. There's the, yeah, the, the phrase goes around a lot that Toriyama wanted to end it at Cell. And, oh, Toriyama, it was originally the plan was that Toriyama was going to end it at Cell and Gohan was going to be the hero, and like that was always the plan. And that's not true. It was not always the plan. Toriyama was making it up as he went. Mm-hmm. Um, it is unclear if Toriyama wanted to end, like, if Cell was a point where Toriyama wanted to end it. An off-ramp. 
But at the very least, he wanted to switch to having Gohan be the protagonist. And you'll see from the beginning of next season, Gohan is still the hero for a while. But, I mean, you've seen stuff later, you know, Goku eventually kind of becomes the hero again. Yeah. And it's my understanding, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, is more that he just realized he didn't know how to write Gohan as well. And so he just he decided... He can't write Gohan, he can't write women, what can he write? I Goku. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. decided to bring Goku back. Goku and Vegeta. That's all where it's at. And he can kind of write Vegeta, but you can tell he's lazy about Vegeta and lets us all fill in the lines because Vegeta seems more interesting. It's true. Because if he could write Vegeta, then he would have given us whatever led up to Trunks being a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And would have shown us any of him and Trunks in the hyperbolic time any chamber. Any of him and Trunks in the hyperbolic time chamber. Yeah, Trunks just sort of comes out with long hair and that's about it. So but. I'm just saying he can't write Vegeta either. We just like <laughs> Vegeta is just basically a better character underneath. So we just all give him some credit. So see this episode I find really interesting. Okay. Because they, this episode is a single beam clash. Yep. yep. For 22 minutes. Yep. Yep. And yeah. Okay. Maybe a little less because they did pad out the recap at the beginning, but it's still, like 17 uh, minutes. Yeah, about. a good 17 minutes of a single beam clash. And I don't know about you, but I wasn't bored. No. I wasn't bored at all during this episode. Because they did, like, even if, yes, the Z Fighter stuff got a little a little weird, They every character got a moment to reflect. And, like, they really dug into how every single character was feeling in that moment. Yeah. yeah. I love and they that. made a seven, 17 sure minutes of just a single beam clash compelling. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was compelled. I That's wanted true. to keep watching. That's true. The yeah. other interesting thing is, um, you know, this moment is referred to as the father-son Kamehameha. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nick, I'm sure you've realized, noticed this too. Like in sort of the cultural consciousness, mm-hmm. we think of this moment as Goku appearing from the afterlife to aid Gohan in firing the Kamehameha. Yeah. That's and like what the revisionist history has told us about that moment is that that's what happens here. But it's just, but, it's basically just him there in spirit motivating Gohan through like the King Kai. Um, I forget what it's called. The King Kai speak, I guess. Telephone line. Telephone line. There you go. Um, yeah. And this is weird to me because like even going into watching this, I was like, oh, yeah. And so Goku's going to help from the afterlife. And I bet Paige is going to have questions about that. And then I would watch. It, I was like, wait, no, he doesn't actually help. And it's like a yeah. weird Mandela effect thing where like I could have sworn he actually helped. I have this image in my mind that I know is wrong. Yeah. But I have this image in my mind of Gohan doing the one handed Kamehameha. And then Goku literally there standing behind him, Super Saiyan. Well, yeah, but the image I have that I know is wrong and doesn't actually happen. But somehow I've I've gaslit myself into thinking as a real thing is that when Goku's spirit appears, like Gohan's like disabled arm moves into place to finish the Kamehameha. And that's not a thing. That'd be cool. I God, I, I swear I have a memory of that, too. But uh, but it doesn't. Ha- we saw it. We saw the episode. It, it doesn't happen. It, it does not happen. No, not at all. And what's weird is that Goku is just in his normal form in the afterlife. But when he appears, he's Super Saiyan Goku. I yeah, thought that so was a little jarring think... as well. That's why it's it feels like he's there, but not because there's that weird differential. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, and so I think that's supposed to imply that the picture of, like, the image of Goku is just in Gohan's mind. Yeah. Of just to symbolize that Goku's there in spirit, not literally that he's physically projecting himself right. into the right. situation. But it was just weird to me. I was like, oh, yeah, because uh, actually Team Four Star had it in abridged that he doesn't help. And so I thought, oh, they changed that so that it can just be Gohan's moment. That's nice. And then going back and watching the original thing, I'm like, oh, no, that really is just Gohan's moment. They didn't change that. Yep. Yeah. I, um, oh man, that that arm comment is really messing me up because I like now that I think about it, I can't you picture it in your mind? I can totally picture it in my mind, but it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're messing me up. I didn't plan on sleeping tonight either, so it's. Fine, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, any other thoughts on this episode? This episode just holds such a special place in my heart, just because, like, uh, what could have been with Gohan. Mm-hmm. But well, like, when we were watching it as kids, Gohan was the character we related to. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Because he was our age when we were watching that, basically. Basically. And I was like, man, I want to be Gohan. I want to do the father son kamehameha with totally both of my arms. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just when I was watching this episode, I had no memory of the Z fighters coming in and helping. I had no memories of Vegeta throwing a blast. I had, I just remember the beam and Goku's speeches. That's all I remembered. Yeah. The Vegeta helping the Vegeta helping gets forgotten a lot. And actually, uh, the other Z fighters helping is not in the manga. Really? Yeah. The, in the, in the manga, it's just that Vegeta appears and helps at the last minute because He's just still so angry about his son dying that he won't give up. And he, like, gets up and says, Kakarot's son isn't giving up. I'm not going to give up. And he comes in and helps. And the other Z fighters don't pitch in. Wow. And I'm at first, I've always, like, for a long time, I've always thought it was silly that they added the other Z fighters helping. Because Mm. just from a logistics perspective, it seems silly to me that... Krillin, Tien, Yamcha, and Piccolo all helping together do absolutely nothing, but Vegeta alone is still enough to, like, stagger Cell. Yeah. I always thought that was silly. It, it, but, it is a little bit silly, but, I mean, the sentiment's there for, like, everybody's all here, everybody's going to pitch in for the one last hurrah, because everybody thinks they're going down, because Piccolo flat out says in the beginning of this episode, it's hopeless, there's no way that Gohan could win, which, great vote of confidence there, dad too. Um, But, yeah, like I said, everybody was hopeless in the beginning of this episode, understandably so, and just, I, I thought it was weird that Piccolo was being such a downer at the beginning, and then suddenly was just like, you know what, screw it, I'm jumping in. I thought mm-hmm. that was a little strange. Yeah, but like watching it watching it again now, I I almost I feel like I like it more now because I'd forgotten that each of them really does get a nice sentimental moment while they're helping. And so I don't know, it's it's an interesting change because then it also does alter Vegeta's motivations in that scene. I have yes. one more complaint about the Z fighters though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so they all put in their little useless like I'm going to help uh-huh. beam. But then when the child who just saved the earth Oh, yeah. exhausted and plummeting <laughs> towards the earth. Does anybody catch him? Catch him? No. Any of them with super speed? No. Any of them with like maybe stretchy arms piccolo? Like, no. They yeah, let the child too. who just saved the earth possibly die of blunt force <laughs> trauma. So thanks, guys. Yeah, they got the dragon balls. So what did you guys think of Gilmore Girls? Uh, I feel like I've been talking for a while. Nick, just tell me first blush. What did you think of your first episode of Gilmore Girls? Like I said earlier, this was a total banger of an episode to come in on. There was, <laughs> there was 
so much to unpack. Like, it was almost overwhelming at first just because how much was going on in this. But it was a little weird at first because I was just like, this, like, it doesn't really seem like a show that I would be super into. But, like, by the end, I was like, but, but Jess, what? (laughs) (laughs) Jess, Uh, buddy, no. (laughs) Jess, why? Why are you stupid? (laughs) That's a question. That is a question for the ages, my friend. (laughs) Jess, why are you stupid? And, like, I had, like, that uh, Jeremiah Johnson face when Luke asked Lorelai out on the date. Mm -hmm. It was just, like, total proud dad moment, even though he's way older than me back then. Anyway, um, this was this was a trip, to say the least, because it was just like at first it was so all over the place because I had no idea that there was a wedding going on. Mm-hmm. So like, why there, is there this weird Ren Faire shit happening? Yeah, it was like, oh, so they're getting dressed and re- ready to go to a wedding. Luke's getting into his suit and everything. I was like, oh, OK, so there's going to be a wedding episode. And then he shows up at the fucking Ren Faire. <laughs> <laughs> the the minister comes out. And they're all just dying laughing. I, I'm i right there with them just because, oh, God, it was so good. It was, oh, man. But like I said, there's just a lot to unpack, especially with, like, the whole Rory plot line where mm-hmm. um, group after group of people just laying into her about, like, her dry spell. It's just like, Up damn. a year. Come on, guys. Yeah, like a yeah. year when she just started college. Yeah. Just That's like, not that weird. Yeah, no, it really isn't. It really is not. And it was just, everybody was so concerned for her dry spell. I was like, that was a bit strange to me. Like they were a bit too concerned. And then the grandmother just showing up at one point with this like, you know, dude, bro guy, which you could tell from a mile away. Like me with no context even knew that that was going to be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. It's like this is totally like they're going out on a pub crawl. Rory totally doesn't seem like that kind of person. Just because, well, like I said earlier, that they telegraph these characters so very in your face that I was able to pick up that Rory was not going to be into like the bar crawl bro dude night. That being said, it is a hundred percent on brand for Emily to be like, "You need furniture. I show up to your dorm room with furniture, whether you want it or not. You are having a drive squat." You're having a dry spell? Here's my Yale-approved boyfriend. Hey, I bring you men. <laughs> I bring you men. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that actually is actually... It was, it, well, yeah, that's the thing. So it was interesting because we kind of saw a bit of a passing of the torch in both episodes where Gohan takes over protecting Earth from Goku and mm-hmm. Rory takes over having uncomfortable romantic setups from Emily uh, from Lorelai. Because oh. that's definitely the kind of thing that Emily would do to Lorelai. Like, she's done that before. Of like, oh, by the way, here's a man. And now we see that, like, Emily has sensed, like, oh, Rory's at that age now where she might meet a guy that she might actually end up with. Uh I should try to set her up with somebody who's, like, of the right status. Yeah, push her in that direction. Yeah, and so Emily started to harass Rory in the same way that she harasses Lorelai, which Mm -hmm. is interesting that we can see their relationship changing in that ever-so-subtle way in this episode. Well, and also... Emily's life is falling apart. Yeah, like, so she's going to be a busybody. She's going to be a busybody, mm. and she's going to make sure that her granddaughter has a good man in her life. Um, yeah. And while the father-son Kamehameha is that important in Dragon Ball, the Luke Lorelai dance is incredibly important in Gilmore Girls. Oh, I'm like, sure. Yeah. 
once again, like I've watched season four twice before this, um, which is a lot less than seasons one or two, but more than seasons five through seven, which I've only watched once. But even I know that this is like one of the big moments for Luke and Lorelai is the dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. This is a huge turning point for Luke. Yeah. Even though well, he asks out boys like a, you know, college age computer science major. <laughs> Not that um, I would know from experience. Yeah. Well, um, I could tell that the dance was a very big moment just from the way it was shot, honestly, mm-hmm. just because it was this very long, like one shot kind of thing. I mean, there was some like clips here and there, but it was just a very like, what's the word I'm looking for? It was very intentional on mm-hmm. how it was. It was it started, intentional. Yeah. They were doing like the awkward, like eighth grade, like kind of distance and like little step thing. And then it, they get subtly closer and then closer and closer. And it was just like, Ooh, girl. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I also do feel the need to point out, this is the first episode I think we've had where Luke does not wear his hat, but doesn't look ridiculous. It's true. Good yeah. job. I didn't even yeah. know he had a hat. He, he so wears a hat go. like all the time. Normally. Baseball cap, man. And oh. normally when he takes it off, it's not good, but he figured out how to do his hair. There you go. Um, Had to do it up for the wedding. Yeah. Important. So like, yeah. So yeah, all that stuff about the, the that dance scene was incredibly well shot. And, and oh, yeah. It, yeah, I think you, you nailed it. It was very intentionally shot and giving it that much time made it very clear that like, this is something really important that's happening. Um, I liked the comedy bits with Mrs. Kim. Yeah. Like Mrs. Kim is always funny. <laughs> yeah, um, that was great. And I honestly, I'm not sure how I feel about everything with Jess. Jess, yeah. Like, I really loved him getting that scene with Luke. Like I said, when they hugged, it just warmed my heart. It was so good to finally see them be emotionally honest with each other. But I also, like, I kind of feel a little bitter that, like, we got all of this Jess development that just happened between episodes. Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. he's suddenly not a little shitbag, just, like, magically. I kind of feel like we got cheated out of Jess development. We got cheated to some degree out of Jess development, but also, like, Jess development happened in one big start and then reverted, which I kind of like because I like that Jess isn't just magically a better person all at once. Mm -hmm. He's still carrying out his, you know, bad patterns with Rory. But it's kind of frustrating that he specifically got called out, both in this episode and I think in the last one, at the end of the last one, on saying I love you and bolting. Mm Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even apologize. Yeah, like, yeah, that's the thing. Well, it was the same thing last time. The first thing he should have done was say, "Hey, I'm sorry for what happened." And then, like, and go then into your gone into happiness. Yeah, but and then this here, he does the exact same thing. Like, no, you say, "Hey, I'm sorry. Can we talk about this?" No, he just jumps right into "Run away with me." Yeah, it was very like that whole scene was very just aggressive on his part. Like, he just like storms in and was like, "Hey, we need to talk like right now." And Dean's like, "What?" the fuck dude like what what's going on i mean nick welcome to the jess experience (laughs) yeah i mean i only have so much context but that it was like so jarring because like you said it felt like he grew a lot in this episode like you could definitely tell just from the him and luke scene of course and then going into this from like almost immediately after that touching scene was really jarring to say yeah, the least. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah, because it was really jarring. But because he just he straight up said like, "Hey, my my phone number is right there. It's not changing. I gave it to my mom. I'm not gonna run away this time." He specifically says, "I'm not gonna run away." And then 30 seconds later, he's like, "Hey, let's run away." 
It's like, fucking well, it's, what? It's not just that. Like, the context here is he's from New York. He's living in New York. Yeah, so he's just, okay. he's asking Rory to run away to where he's currently living. Which, oh, I mean, okay. I'm okay with him being a horrible person who's asking her to change completely for him and giving nothing back. Like, he's still a... He's still learning. He's still a mm-hmm. child. But the fact that he didn't even apologize or start to apply anything he learned with Rory was frustrating. When he obviously knows how to apply it with Luke. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, like, Luke specifically gave him an example of why it was bad. Yeah. It, yeah, that... I liked the scene in isolation because it was a very good Rory and Jess scene, but in context of the rest of the episode, it felt really, really weird. We need a yeah. sign of some gradual growth because I'm even okay with the fact that he knows how to apply it with Luke now, but is completely scrambled because he's a 19-year-old trying to deal with a pretty girl. Yeah. yeah. Who he has a lot of complicated feelings. But, mm, it didn't I just feel work. like there was one little missing scene in mm-hmm. there yes. where it's like, where it's like, it should have shown him leaving Luke's apartment or wherever he was living uh, and making the decision to go over to Rory's place because it was just like, it just seemed out of nowhere that he just kind of showed up. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah, he just like appeared out of nowhere. I mean, that and, is his MO. But yeah. yeah, it but felt really weird. It felt it, frustrating that, yeah, that we didn't get anything more. Yeah, like, even just, just, like just him- that little 10 seconds, little 10 seconds where he's like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And it would have been so easy, like just like him on the road and he sees the sign for Yale and like he looks at the book and he looks at the sign and he like like the book sitting on, you know, his passenger seat Mm -hmm. and he looks at the book and he looks at the sign Uh and then he says, fuck it. And like cuts across three lanes of traffic to take the exit to Yale. Like then we can at least see he's learning, but he's still trapped in his patterns. He's still trapped in his patterns. Like, yeah, Yeah. that would have been a super easy thing to add. And it would have really made that character decision clearer. That would have been, that would have been perfect. Just that little, that little spice on top of it, just to seal it in. Beautiful. Um, Yeah, that would have been perfect. Um, So yeah, I, I, that's basically how it was a good episode. Like I enjoyed it. The wedding was funny. Um, I like that we're getting progress on Lorelai and Luke. Um, we're following the pattern. I know they're going to get together soon. Then they're going to break up for a dumb reason. that's going to frustrate me so that they won't get back together until the end of the show. Yep. Um, I know uh. how this works. I watch scrubs, except <laughs> by the end of scrubs, you don't want them to get together because they're both horrible people. Uh, do you have any questions for me about Dragon Ball Z? Yeah, I have a couple. Um, one is Krillin says, Gohan, you saved my life so many times. How many, how many times is that? Like once, maybe twice. Did Krillin say that? Yeah. Krillin specifically said that. Goku said that. Oh, yeah, you're right. It was... Well, I mean, Gohan... I think Gohan coming in for the clutch save is pretty common. Um, I mean, going all the way back to the fight with Raditz, he right. busted out of his pod and headbutted Raditz when he was about to, like, crush Goku's ribs. Yeah, yeah so that, and, uh, that and... That um, and... Didn't he do something during the uh, Vegeta fight also? He turned into a giant monkey. Yeah. He landed the KO on Vegeta. Okay, so Yeah, twice. yeah, that's what... So many oh, man. times is twice. And I mean, he he helped out on Namek. I guess not specifically Goku, he but he helped out a lot on Namek. Like yeah. Gohan has brought in the clutch save a couple times. Yeah, I just wish he had said, you know, Gohan, you saved my life. Just so many times felt like I'm supposed to remember like ten times or something. Don't expect Toriyama to remember how many th- times something has happened. He's straight up forgotten about the like the uh, minor Z fighters. That's Pretty why much. they didn't show up for a long time. Uh, okay. Um. I already kind of said that I wanted Krillin to call Bulma, but he didn't because he's garbage. Uh, This isn't really a question, but it's a a what the heck, Krillin. 
he's he's going in and he's like, well, I got to, at least 18. I got to see you one more time. Like, dude, you met her once. And she said you were cute. Like, yeah. stop being a little creeper. That would be that. That yeah. line would definitely be more romantic if he had had a more any inter- sort of relationship with. Yeah, her? instead, it's very much just like, well, at least I got to watch you sleep. Like, oh, we oh. all want to look at the pretty lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been a very romantic line later when Krillin and Eighteen's relationship is more developed. Yeah, when they actually have like I. I mean, he did destroy the button for her, but uh, it, that whole thing was just so weird. Yeah, but I mean, that yeah, that already has some things yeah. that I have feelings about. Um, one Krillin and 18 getting together is not the most graceful thing Toriyama's ever written. No, no, not at all. I mean, like, the thing is, I like it so much in theory of 18, the killer android. <laughs> Goes for the short dude who can't doesn't really do much. Short dude doesn't do much. <laughs> standard human, but he's a cop and he does his job. And, and he's he a good guy. He's a good guy. You keep telling me this, but in practice, it just doesn't. Anyway, um, one last question. When Gohan finally obliterates Cell, we cut to a couple of people celebrating. Oh, good. I hope you're going to ask about this. Including Chi-Chi. Mm-hmm. What? How? Why? How? So, Chi-Chi, it has been established that the TV signals have been knocked out. For quite a bit now. For quite a bit that now. The reporter doesn't, like, hasn't been relaying things. For all we know, people don't even know that Goku is dead. Um, they wouldn't. No, because it was after the TV got knocked out. So how the heck does Chi-Chi know? Has she finally, like, remembered that she can sense power levels? I, you know, I think uh, it's, that's, it's an editing mistake. It's just, it's just, uh, it's a plot hole. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was, I completely forgot about that just having watched this last night. Yeah, that was, that was a moment where I was like, wait, what? Because they definitely weren't broadcasting at that point. Mm-hmm. No, I think that but. it is it is in it is ignoring a like plot holy thing in service of a character moment because I do think it is important that when she celebrates him. Yeah, she's proud yeah. of her son yeah. for yeah. fighting. Like she's proud of the fighter that he's become, which is not usually her MO. Well it's not nice at all. you get them meeting in the middle because you get Goku saying, Hey, hit the books. Yeah. Uh and you get oh, yeah. Chi Chi saying, I'm proud of you winning. Like his parents are finally coming together after one of them's dead and isn't getting in the way anymore. Um, <laughs> like the only thing standing in between Goku and Chi Chi having a happy relationship was Goku <laughs> <laughs> and just everything he stands for. But yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, yeah, there's, there's no good explanation for that other than it being in service of a good moment for Chi-Chi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do either of you have questions about Gilmore Girls? Um, I have one question about Gilmore Girls. And then, and then Nick, you can just launch off with any questions you've got. Sure. Uh, so at the beginning, near the beginning of the episode, Luke is doing like the roast turkey legs for the wedding. And he's like, do these turkey legs look good? Are they good? How do I, how do I know when a turkey leg is done? I f- he runs a diner. I find it very. I mean, I can get okay. He doesn't make roast turkey legs at the diner. He doesn't know exactly how to best cook them. But I think he would know. How do you know, Paige? How do you know if a piece of meat is done? If it's the right color, or if you have a meat thermometer. If you poke it with a goddamn meat thermometer and see what temperature it is, it might not be the best turkey leg in the world, but it won't kill anybody. And he just—he's just, he's just Luke like Luke does not own a meat thermometer. You don't think Luke owns a meat thermometer? Mm-mm. He knows when a burger is done. Isn't that, like like, a, isn't that like, like a health inspector thing? 
that you have to. There have are no health Hollow? inspectors in the town of Stars Hollow. Yeah, Stars Hollow doesn't take place in our reality. Like there I are no health not. inspectors in Stars Hollow. <laughs> uh, it's canon. It's canon. The- it wasn't in the manga. <laughs> but I feel like Luke doesn't own a meat thermometer. I don't know. I feel like if Luke Luke maybe doesn't use a meat thermometer to cook his burgers because no, that's just silly. Just imagine but... it because like sure. Suki comes in and is like, "Luke, where's your meat thermometer? I don't need a meat thermometer. I've been making this for a dozen years, and I know when a burger's done and I know when chicken's done." But Luke, that's totally a scene. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Maybe you're right. That just struck me. Uh. So so Nick, this being your only episode of Gilmore Girls, fire off your questions. So first of all, how have we not talked about the male stripper scene? Yeah, that was so weird. Oh yeah, that was the that same was, scene. That was so. It was just like, oh god, it was strange, what? Because it was the middle of the day with open windows. Yeah, and people walking outside UPS, the windows. Like speedo stripper. Well, again, this is uh, once again, Stars Hollow does not take place in our reality. The the joke that we've always made is that uh, Nick, do you know those those towns uh, somewhere in Europe? Where probably they, like the Netherlands. I think it's like the Netherlands or Finland. That's like it's like an old folks home specifically for people with dementia, um, oh, but no. it's specifically modeled to look like a quaint little town, and oh, like all okay. of the employees just wear street clothes all the time. So the people with dementia like just think they live in a quaint little town, and like there's a bus stop outside. So if they wander out, but it's a fake bus stop. So if they wander away, they'll sit at the bus, and then some people can come collect them and make sure they don't wander off. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've never heard of that. It's a real thing. And so our joke has always been that Stars Hollow is like that, but just for people with some kind of terminal <laughs> illness that gives them quirkiness. Yeah, terminal quirk. Yeah, just terminal quirkiness. There you of go. Of just weird shit happens in this town all the time and everybody acts like it's normal. Yeah. I'd buy it. I'd buy that theory. Uh, and so this is one of those things of like, oh, there's a dude in a Speedo like stripping for all these random women in Luke's in the middle of the day. Huh. All right. Well, I guess I'll get my pancakes from Al's yeah. and just moves on. Nobody thinks Never it's weird. Get pancakes from Al's. That's true. Al's pancake world doesn't sell pancakes. Uh, yeah. So I think that's something that's just like, it's funny because that didn't even, I mean, it kind of registered to me, but I didn't even think I to ask. I didn't even think to ask it because just weird stars, hollow shit. I've become immune to it. Yeah. Any other questions? Oh God. Um, the kid at the beginning of the episode that was like giving, uh, what was her name? Patty, I think. Oh, yeah, that was weird. When yeah, Miss was Patty like, was doing the Maypole, she had a dance captain. Yeah. Who and we then, have never seen before and have never seen again. And then there was the kid that worked at the grocery store also. Kirk. That was Kirk. Like Kirk. And he was like giving her shit. Um, mm-hmm. And he was the DJ at the wedding. The joke with Kirk is that he does all of the odd jobs around town. Oh, okay. Like he works at the grocery store. He works at like the beauty store. He works everywhere. He just he he just ha- takes all the odd jobs in town. That's Fun thing, he delivers the mail. He delivers the mail. Fun thing, uh, Kirk is played by Sean Gunn, who is James Gunn's younger brother. No shit. Yes, shit. And in Guardians of the Galaxy, and you know, like Infinity War and Endgame and everything, yeah. Sean Gunn is in the mocap suit for Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. Are you serious? That's and he's hilarious. also one of Yondu's raiders. Yeah, and he was one of Yondu's raiders. Oh, that's so good. That's so funny. Yeah, so he, do you, he, he made if you go back and watch the Guardians movies, he's in both Guardians of the Galaxy movies, uh, both as himself, but also he does all the mocap for uh, for Rocket Raccoon. So that's all awesome. the gestures and everything, any physical performance from Rocket, that's actually Sean Gunn. That's so funny. Wow. It's pretty cool. I'm glad I asked then. 
Um, God, I I feel like I had a few other questions. I do have I do have one more question. So okay. you were saying that Emily's life was falling apart. Does it mm-hmm. have to? So does it have to do with what Lorelai was kind of drilling her for at the dinner table? Yeah. So the context there is that um, it's kind of a multi-season arc deal where their group, so where Lorelai's parents just like they're frankly their marriage kind of slowly erodes over the course of the show. Okay. Uh, where Richard makes a lot of rash decisions without consulting his wife. He retires mm-hmm. and then he rejoins, like he gets back in the business and he like leverages a bunch of his loans to start his new business against his pension. So like he puts their financial future at risk. Mm-hmm. And then she finds out that he's like been having lunch with uh, his ex-fiance yeah, with his ex-fiance from college. Oh God, really? Yeah. And like, it's like, it's, it's not questionable. Yeah, it's no, like, like once a year. Yeah. Once a year, they just get lunch and catch up. It's not like oh, he's not, okay. he's not two timing on her, but still like he didn't tell her. Yeah. Like it's still not cool to not tell your wife about that when it's been happening oh. every year for decades. Oh God. Yeah. And then uh, he is in business with Lorelai's boyfriend and then he throws Lorelai's boyfriend under the bus, despite Emily's protest that this will drive Lorelai away. Yeah, and so like, mm. and that's kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back for Emily. And so for a couple episodes now, it's been clear that she's not living at the house anymore, but she's not telling Lorelai about it. Oh. And so it's just been weird and awkward. And so like, it's clear that like they're going through a rough patch and they're separated right now but they're not being honest with their family about it. Okay. Yeah, so that's so, like the context for that scene that you didn't have. Yeah, so, yeah, because she was drilling Emily about that kind of stuff, and I was just like, I have no idea what's happening in that. Like I said, I was pretty lost for the first like quarter of the episode, but once the wedding started kicking in, uh, things became pretty clear pretty quickly. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, I think those were just my biggest questions, so I think we're I think we're good to move on. Uh, one piece of information you don't have that you wouldn't have thought to ask. Uh, so Paris, Rory's roommate, mm-hmm. uh, you know she her boyfriend Asher. Oh uh, yeah, he's a professor. Oh, uh, <laughs> and and he is he. They met because uh, he also the professor also went to Yale at the same time as Rory's grandfather. Oh, so he's like in his sixties, and he keeps oh, dating God. students, and he and he habitually dates students. Oh, that's yeah. Gross. So that's just the veil <laughs> of uncomfortableness over any scene with Paris. Oh, that's so gross. It's super <laughs> gross. Uh, yeah. So now we get to the part of the episode where we talk about who we want to swap. Paige, do you know who you want to swap this oh, week? Oh yeah, I definitely know who I want to swap. Okay, who do you week? want to swap this, this week? This week I want to swap Yamcha and Jess. Okay. Uh, once again, this is on a mission to help people. Um, if I swap Jessen, uh, he can take his book that he's learned so much from, because he speed read it, and give it to Vegeta. Okay. Maybe after this is all done, Vegeta can hug his son. That would be good. Uh, meanwhile, we'd trade Yamcha into the wedding. He would get eaten by Carrie, and, like uh, <laughs> Liz's, Liz's friend, hungry bridesmaid, uh, and then no more Yamcha. And really, like, I would say that's a win. But it's not really in anything. So we got a net value on the Dragon Ball side <laughs> with no loss on the guilt, like no loss on the Dragon Ball side. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, mean, there, I do like the comment about Carrie suffocating someone with her boobs. 
Yes. That she was, and she was like making out with a bunch of different dudes at the wedding, including her husband. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Carrie's, uh, Carrie's an interesting one. I could tell. Uh, yeah. Uh, I want to do an unconventional swap. Go for it. Um, I want to swap Tien and Yamcha. Okay. And I want to swap them with Kraz and Xyler from Gravity Falls. Okay. Uh, because I feel like... What not? I thought you were going to go with Zach and Brian. No. I, I mean, that would also be fun, actually. That would be more traditional and more fun. But no, I really want... I want to swap them with Kraz and Xyler from Gravity Falls, uh, which for those of you who know Gravity Falls but don't have quite the encyclopedic knowledge that we do, they are the, uh, you know, super technicolor 80s dudes that Mabel invents with her mind. And, uh, I, cause I just, I don't know. I really want to see their version of cheering on Gohan. Just like, whoa, ah. that cell dude is whack. Totally. <laughs> Gohan, you gotta shoot Ratter. Yeah. <laughs> and just like being t- totally 80s radical about cheering Gohan on. I just want to see what would happen there. I forgot uh, but you do make a good guys. point that Zach and Brian would also be fun to see Tian and Yamcha try to be behaving themselves around a, you know, uh, very strict Korean mother. Um, but then also, I really, I want to see Mabel's reaction to Tian and Yamcha. Like, I want to see her, like, react to a dude with three eyes. I just think it would be delightful. Yeah. She would definitely poke the third eye. Oh, totally. For Instantly. Sure. Yeah, she'd just go bop and poke it. It'd be great. Uh, Nick, do you know who you would want to oh, swap? Oh, no. Mabel? With, uh, with Puar instead of Waddles? I named her Waddles. <laughs> My name is Puar. Because she Waddles. Or no, it would be Oolong, because he's a pig. That's true. Yes. But Oolong is less fun than Puar. It's true, but it would be Oolong, because he's a pig. Uh, anyway, Nick, do you know who you would want to swap this episode? I think... So, what was the um, the groom's name? It was TJ, right? TJ, yeah. I want to I want to switch TJ and Sal. Okay. Because I want to see Sal talk about tights. Okay. And on the flip side, I also want to see... TJ go into a uh, beam battle with Gohan, mm-hmm. but only using the tights that he throws at the reception. <laughs> <laughs> just the tights just land on Gohan's face. Like I don't know how to respond to this. <laughs> just poof, and then he wins. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I would love to triumphant. see. I love to see Perfect Cell just like walking through the wedding. Like these are delightful. Look, they they breathe, and yet they still give me the support that I need. It feels like I'm wearing nothing. These garments make me even more perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that'd be delightful. Um, Nick, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a blast talking about all this thank with you. Thank you for having me, my friend. It's it's such a great time. I feel like we're eight years old in your basement again. Oh, God. It brings me right back to it. I love it. <laughs> Uh, so if people like the cut of your jib and want to see more of uh, more of what it is that you do, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at my handle Lord Nanuels. I believe there's an underscore in there. Lord dot Nanuels. And then so that's can, uh, Daniels with an N. Lord Nanuels. N-A-N-I-E-L-S. Mm hmm. You can follow my band, Astillion. We are Dark Ages melodic death metal band, much like the Ren Fair themed wedding in this. We dress up in Dark Ages garb, and it's fun times. We dress up like Anglo-Saxons. Um, that is at Astillion Official and uh, Instagram. I highly recommend our Instagram because we post Dark Age memes all the time, and they are hilarious. 
<laughs> and uh, Sins of Spira, a band that I'm in, is uh, relatively Final Fantasy themed. We uh, we kind of dive into it. it's called Sins of Spira. Sins of Spira. Um, <laughs> we are on Instagram. Uh, we don't have any posts on there right now. We've been on a bit of a hiatus, but we're kind of writing stuff again. So keep Ooh. a lookout for that. Yeah, I saw you guys posted on Facebook the other day. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was fun stuff. And then you can look me up on YouTube also at just Nick Daniels. Look up the one more light cover that I did that we are celebrating the one year anniversary of today. And hopefully I'll be uploading some more covers soon because I've been neglecting that and it makes me sad. Yeah. So we'll have links to all that in the show notes if you want more of his music. And uh, yeah. So you know where to find us. Uh, our Facebook is Gilmore Ball Z. Our Twitter is at Gilmore Ball Z. Our email is Gilmore Ball Z at gmail.com. And our WordPress is Gilmore Ball Z dot WordPress dot com. Please rate us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Facebook, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Drop us a comment, review, whatever. Tell your friends. Uh, share us out. All that good stuff. Um, we are also still taking uh, submissions for our 100th episode reader mailbag the season finale of this season so in two episodes now is going to be our 100th episode if you count all of our bonus episodes Ooh. and so we want to i know isn't it cool so we want to celebrate uh by hearing from all of you especially those of you who've never reached out to us before tell us what the show means to you whether that's dragon ball gilmore girls or our show uh you know tell us how you got into it Ask us questions if you have them, anything. Get creative with it. Uh, we want to be able to showcase our fans, but we can't do that unless you all reach out to us. Uh, yep, and so with that, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next Saturday for the last episode of this season. So, will Jess ever figure out how to talk to girls? Where will Dragon Ball go from here? And are tights the most perfect garments? Find out next time on Gilmore Ball Z.